Hello, Stephen. Hello, Erica. In fact, Merry Christmas in two hours. For us, as we record this, in the mountain zone of time. <laughs> Ooh, I like that. I'm starting to call time zones that because it sounds impressive. And science fictional. Is the mountain? Which is the most science fictional time zone? Uh, I suppose we don't know the names of all the time zones, do we? No, I just think the zone of time thing. That's what sounds science fictional. Yeah, I think it's uh, a zone of time was actually a rejected episode title. Uh, no, it wasn't. It's too close to the mark. It could have been a rejected episode <laughs> title for something perhaps in season four of Doctor Who. Maybe, maybe it was. Yeah. <laughs> you think I'm very loud? Yeah. Am I very loud because it's Christmas? I like to be loud at Christmas time. You were just hugging the microphone a lot. Merry Christmas. Anyway, we watched uh, one episode of The Moon Base. Yeah. Episode one. Yeah, we started with episode one. That's that's <laughs> the episode that we watched. For the longest time, I was we were not able to because it was only episodes two and four, which were existing, and they still are, unfortunately, but they were on the end. Um, they were released on a VHS set called The Cybermen Years back in 92 or something like that. So they had these two and uh, The Wheel in Space. <sighs> that it maybe that is it i kept trying to remember but um so i i was all i've i've two and four seem very familiar to me but one and three don't so i was like sort of watching this with kind of bated breath because i didn't nec- i haven't seen it the animation very much or anything like that but uh but yeah i hadn't seen it at all i've never seen any of these before i mean i kind of know a lot of what happens in the moon base just from being in doctor who fandom and listening to podcasts and stuff mm-hmm. um but it was, I mean, as we've discussed, this the animation is not my preferred way to consume missing stories, you know, almost certainly not for the first time, but it's it's easy. So there were, there was a number of scenes, places where there's a lot of silence. There's not a lot happening, Aud- like audioly, auditorily, orally, whatever. <laughs> anyway, you want to say it, yeah. um, that I was, I was actually pretty glad of the, of the, animation in order to kind of know what was happening mm-hmm. um rather than like a straight ahead recon that would not be telling me that probably the i assume there's a bbc audio version of it that would also be a good way to consume this but but yeah the animation was you know about as good as you could expect yeah this was done by planet 55 in um, australia i think it was i think it did this one and i think they did reign of terror as well, and I want to maybe Tenth Planet too. Hmm. I think I don't know. Yeah, but yeah, it was it was you know good to sort of have an idea of where things were. But I have to say, I'm really excited to watch episode two that is, you know, live action to at least see what mm-hmm. you know what do these Cybermen actually look like because they're clearly not the same as the Tenth Planet ones, at least not identical according to the the animation that we saw at the very very end and the still shot for episode two yeah. that we're looking at on the DVD menu. Yeah, very much different. And and if you know if if you have seen all the Cybermen episodes and then you're sort of going back and watching these now, uh, a clue like the Silver Hand, which uh, Doctor Evans um, says before he dies to the Doctor, and the Doctor going, "I wonder what he meant by the Silver Hand," you know. Us knowing what we know now, I think, oh, obviously he means Cyberman, but of course, the Cyberman of the Tenth Planet didn't wear gloves; they just had human hands, so it's still a mystery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep, I'm interested to see what that means. 
Indeed. Mm-hmm. This is an exciting time for the show uh, because it's 1967. Um, you know, I say the show, but humanity, because the space race is ongoing, you know, the, the race to the moon between the U S and the Soviets is ongoing. So Dr. Who probably thinks, Hey, I got a great idea. Let's put a story on the moon because it's very futuristic in space age, but just within grasp. And so, so that I think that was probably the impetus of, of making an episode like this. And not only on the moon, but on the moon with a gravitron that uh, controls the weather on Earth, which seems like a nice futuristic science fictional <laughs> sort of idea to have weather control. I like it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and jumping around on the moon too, mm. as uh, as the, the doctor and the time team do. Yeah, that was the. I wish I could see that happening. I want to know what they were doing. Is the animation really true to? to what was going on were they on some sort of wires or they were you're not AME they they filmed that in Ealing uh, the film studio so yeah they were on Kirby wires and everything actually jumping up and down uh, which for some reason makes a noise I didn't I did not think that was a diegetic noise I think that was just the uh, that was just the soundtrack the score (laughs) giving us a little bit of excitement you know when like there's a really tense intense scene sometimes the music lifts and when there's a really like subtle scene the music gets quieter Mm -hmm. when there's a really bouncy scene the music goes (laughs) that's just the way it works i understand speaking of sound you uh you said you recognized uh some of the music and sound effects actually did you, you they they twigged yeah, the uh, the alarm sound effect when the the weather stuff is you know going off kilter because somebody else passed out. Mm-hmm. Uh, those sound effects sounded really familiar, and you said they were from the warm machines, maybe. I think uh, could also their stock sound effects that I think we've heard maybe even once before. It might even be part. It, they sounded so familiar that it's mm-hmm. bugging me. Like you, <laughs> like sometimes you think, oh, what song is this? For me, yep. it's what sound effect is that? <laughs> Nerd. Yeah, but yeah, that's, that alarm sound was very familiar. And then, of course, we had the very timpani-filled uh, music cue when we get to see the Cybermen finally at the end of the episode, which uh, I know will come about again in um, Tomb of the Cybermen, mm-hmm. which is kind of where I sort of know it from. But you said it was also in the 10th planet. Did I just forget about that? It was. It was in their, uh, their literally their very first appearance uh, when they walk uh, out of the snow. Um, which is rather rather ironic seeing we're recording this on Christmas Eve mm-hmm. and uh, and less than oh, about 12 hours time from right now in the UK the Christmas special will air which mm-hmm. of course sort of centers around a little bit of uh, the 10th planet so I know well mm-hmm. how timely right yes it's almost as if we planned it we didn't plan it <laughs> we don't plan things at all no uh you may <laughs> this this story the moon base is written by the same people who wrote the 10th planet jerry davis and kit peddler um this episode was just credited to kit peddler was it really i th- well they both had mm-hmm. hands in it basically well i mean i know jerry davis is the script editor yeah. at this point so yeah yeah um you know it looks like cybermen are attacking a remote base mm-hmm. this is the base under siege basically throughout the story kind of thing. yeah a bunch of a bunch of guys from different um different countries all yep. working together and yep. all dudes of course all dudes well it wouldn't be safe to have a woman there they might <laughs> no, get distracted 
Because we had a black guy who, of course, you know, <laughs> submitting to the tropes is the first to die, pretty much as he gets sort of wiped out. So, uh, so we've never seen him because he doesn't. He's obviously dead in episode one, so he doesn't. That's why I've never seen him. Thinking, who's that guy? Oh, that's why we don't see him in episode two. He's dead. Mm-hmm. Yes, he is. He is strictly animated. Mm-hmm. That's a shame. I I couldn't tell because it's black and white. Obviously, what flag he was wearing. Yeah. I was I was wondering about that too because he he certainly has a a non-British accent, and I couldn't. He didn't have enough lines for me to really sort of peg exactly where he was supposed to sound like he was from. The flag was, uh, you know, three vertical bars of of equal size. But since it's black and white, it's hard to tell what. Yeah, like I don't know what those colors were supposed to be. I don't know uh, when. Nigeria got the flag, which is green, white, green, in that same um, thing. But I, it might be Nigeria, which um, is interesting too, be just because in 1960, um, England or the UK um, had a lot of their colonies declare independence. One of which was Ni- Nigeria, and it's it's interesting to see, you know, some who were formerly colonists, essentially, like uh, sort of show up as actual countrymen. I mean, just so I'm wondering what for an empire uh, like the UK was at the time, and sort of like you know, really the sun was sort of setting on that empire after World War Two, and I'm wondering what the you know the British populace was sort of thinking about that. And then this, so it's interesting to watch whenever we see sort of people from, you know, from former British colonies sort of show up in Doctor Who relatively soon after they've declared independence and, you know, geopolitical stuff like that interests me whenever Doctor Who comes around. Yeah, especially that this is forecasting to, you know, 2070 something. So it's not only just the you know contemporary 60s view of that but mm-hmm. that whoever was you know the writer or director or producer or costumer or whatever um is predicting that this far in the future everything's going to be hunky-dory between us which is that's really kind of a nice sunny view mm-hmm. <laughs> in the midst of all of this you know virus and death and, and murder of the cybermen yeah well they're they're all european i think there's a canadian in there somewhere um, I don't know if there's an American. There's certainly a no, like, um, well, Nigeria, maybe Nigeria. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, but, the, mm-hmm. but there, I don't think there's like any Soviets, any Easter, mm-hmm. you know, any of the, uh, uh, iron behind the iron curtain countries in there. <laughs> so they weren't quite mm-hmm. forward casting enough, but yep. yeah. what do you think of this episode though? I really enjoyed this. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, maybe in part because I haven't seen it before and don't know and really anything about real specifics i knew that that jamie was going to be going on about a phantom piper and i've well because i've heard people sort of complain about oh that's all jamie does in this story is is complain about the phantom piper i didn't realize he actually saw a cyberman and thought it was a phantom piper well then of course he's gonna go on about it good grief people give him a freaking break um and the idea that his clan has this uh um, legend or yeah. whatever that that you see the Phantom Piper before before you die. I think that's kind of charming. Uh, just just a fun bit of color to throw in there. And I do find it kind of nice that that the uh, the person who's the real damsel in this story is is actually a dude. <laughs> Polly is is perfectly fine. She's taking care of him. You know, yeah. Ben's running around just keeping his eyes open, whatever. Um, and Jamie is the one that that goes off and is foolish and trips him sprains his ankle so to speak mm-hmm. you know he's the companion that does something uh 
you know, not, I wouldn't say terribly foolish. I mean, maybe he tried to jump too far or whatever, but yeah, right. knocks himself right out mm-hmm. and has to be bedridden for a while. Uh, and I was just interested to see what was happening. We get a, we get a space base. It's a moon, you know, it's a base on the moon. And at least from the animation, it looks really cool and science fictional. And I am excited to see the sets in the proper episodes mm-hmm. because I mean, at least the picture, the drawn pictures of it make it look pretty cool. And, you know, it could go either way. It could be like, wow, this looks really cheap. Or as in some cases, um, you know, like uh, uh, Dalek's master plan, be like, oh, my God, this is even better than I expected. Mm -hmm. So I'm excited to see what they look like. Yeah, I'm just I'm enjoying this story. It's a good, solid base under siege with so far not too many ridiculous plot holes, except for the fact that, as always, the doctors just sort of welcomed in. Yes, you can come in and help random people that landed on the moon <laughs> right whatever i'm fine with that that's just that that happens to the doctor everywhere he goes yeah the uh w- regarding the sets this is was sort of the um the idea that innis lloyd the producer and jerry davis the script editor had and that doing these sort of base undersea stories and that you could sort of build one or two main sets and put all your money and energy into that and make it look good as opposed to having to build like new sets every single week and you could sort of like amortize the uh the cost all across the four or six episodes and stuff Mm -hmm. so so yeah this this graviton base is sort of like the centerpiece for these four episodes and Mm -hmm. so yeah i'm looking forward to what you think of them after this well yeah me too space stuff it's just it, this just feels very good old-fashioned golden age science fictiony mm-hmm. and that is that is just gosh darn all right by me really i like old-timey space stuff especially when doctor who doesn't it's neat mm-hmm. yeah yeah and i also look forward to speaking of doctor who i look forward to seeing patrick Troughton trout it up you know like just be able to emote because the i feel like his face is is done fairly well in the animation but you know no animation is 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 as good as as watching moving pictures and seeing him do it and also like you know there's there's a lot of work put into the the faces so that the mouths move right and the the expressions and the way that their eyes look and stuff but their bodies you know they only have so much money so their bodies are not quite as well rendered so to speak so you get a little bit of that uncanny valley from the difference in the movement there there are some there was some rotoscoping involved in some of this which i don't think some of the other animation did mm-hmm. yeah. but yeah it's so i'm i'm looking forward to seeing them as mm-hmm. like actual acting moving people i want to point out i said this on i noticed this really for the first time when on radio free scar we did a miniscope on the director morris berry this is his first um, time directing Doctor Who he was a no nonsense kind of director sort of had a little music stand with his script on there uh, during rehearsals like everyone had to sort of be in their specific places like there you go there and then you go there and then you go there like do not like very strict not like authoritarian but he sort of like was he meant business um, and you notice how Patrick Troughton is kind of like exploring the space so to speak in his first three stories sort of like trying to settle on a character and in this episode you notice an immediate change the doctor is very much you know even like hey stop don't stop fooling around on the moon you know he's telling his companions to sort of do that and he's very serious and looking for what's causing this this little plague 
Um, and I, I reasoned, and I stand by this, that Morris Berry is a big reason why Patrick Troughton's doctor is the way he is. Because I think he settles him down. He also, you can't see it, but he sort of tapers, he had his trousers tapered in because they used to be a little baggier because he was sort of the cosmic hobo but sort of takes those down so from here on in Troughton's performance sort of gets a little more restrained um, especially in this story. I am interested to see that uh, in part because I think I generally appreciate a more restrained performance, not just from Patrick Troughton, but just sort of in general. Mm-hmm. Sort of like when when you're given the leeway to do anything you want, it, sometimes things, not even just in acting, but in you know writing or being creative in any way, yeah. things can kind of get away from you. But when you have rails put on and sort of limitations, you're uh, sometimes you get better work out of that because you are able to focus a little bit more and sort of be more creative within the lines that have been drawn for you. Mm-hmm. So I like the idea of watching watching him focus his performance a little bit more and be less broad. Broad performances are not generally my thing. Unless we're talking about Paul Seed, but we have years before <laughs> we're going to get there. Yes, Reboss Operation is a ways away. But uh, not episode two of the Moon Base, which will be the focus of our next episode of Lazy Doctor Who. Yeah. Yeehaw. Is that it for this one then? Yeah, I think so. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Bye-bye. Bye.